And so in Revelation chapter 1, read with me verses 4 through 6. Revelation 1, 4 through 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're going to talk about this last verse especially. He, he washed us, Jesus Christ washed us in his blood and from our sins in his own blood. And he's made us something. He's made us kings and priests unto our God. And we're going to talk about this a little bit, maybe for a few weeks. Now, next week will be different. We're going to have our, our VBS Sunday morning service. But I will continue this afterwards, the week following. I felt like the Lord wanted me to go ahead and start this two or three weeks, maybe on the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean that he's made us kings and priests unto our God? Because that's what he says right here, that we know that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am chief. You might say and I might say, no, Paul, I'm the chief of all sinners. But that's why Jesus came. He came to save sinners. He came to redeem men unto Himself. And redeem means to purchase. The price that is paid to redeem or purchase a slave and to buy His freedom. And the Lord, in the process, He, he came to destroy the works of the devil. In the process of His first coming, He came to deliver us from the kingdom of Satan and darkness and to translate us into the power into the kingdom of His dear Son. He came not only to forgive us of our sins and wash us in His blood from our own sins, but to, live, to deliver us from the power of sin, to we're no longer slaves of sin. And He came to do all these things, and He did it for those that put their faith in Him. The work has been done. It's a finished work of the work that Jesus did in laying down His life as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world on Calvary. He's made us in the process His sons and daughters. He's made us in the process those that have put their true saving faith in Christ. Saints unto God. So it's not just that, uh, that we think sometimes, okay, I was lost, now I'm saved. Hallelujah, I'm going to heaven when I die. There's so much that goes with that. There's so much that goes with salvation. In fact, I think we spend most of our time in church talking about not how to get saved, although we need to talk about that. But in the, within the body of Christ and within the house of God, we spend our time talking about so great salvation. What is it that God saved me for? Why am I still on this earth? What is He doing in my life? How do I follow after God now that I am saved? How do I pursue after the Lord? So He's done these things in our life, but one of the things He's done is that He made us kings and priests unto our God. That's what the Scripture said in verse 6. And it made us... Now, John's writing to the churches. He's writing to believers. He's made us as believers after He's washed us in His blood from our own sins, uh, made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so we're going to talk about kings and priests, but primarily priests. But I do want to touch on the kings just for a moment. But He's made us kings and priests. This figuratively speaking, Okay, there is a figurative when he says that we're kings. We're not walking around the earth sitting on little thrones with crowns on our heads and a scepter held out, ruling over a nation. We're kings in the sense that word means figurative, figuratively, it means sovereign, but it means a foundation of power. And the Lord has made us that. Kings and priests, kings being a foundation of power, the seat of Christ. We've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. We're reigning with Christ. We're going to reign with Christ uh, in His kingdom. The Bible tells us that. And, and they that uh, blessed is He that are part of the first resurrection upon whom the second death has no power. And they shall reign with Him a thousand years during the millennium. And then it says that the saints of God are going to reign with the Lord forever. Forevermore. And so, but in this life, we have a foundation of power. And I believe that's what the King 
kingship is speaking of here that He's made us kings and priests. That we are the head and not the tail. We have an authority that, that Jesus has given us. And that authority is only through Christ. It's not because we feel puffed up and feel powerful today. It's because that we're of the power of Christ. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus said right before the Great Commission. Then He says, go ye therefore and preach you know, and make disciples of, of men and all these all the nations of the earth. And I'm working with you. And the Lord worked with them, confirming the signs and the wonders. But the Lord Jesus made us as a result of the new birth. We're new creatures in Christ. Again, it's not just I didn't believe in Jesus. Now I did. Well, we didn't believe in Jesus. Now we do. We were lost. Now we're found. But what goes with that is that he's made us something. He's made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are not what we were before. We didn't know all that, perhaps. We probably didn't when we gave our lives to the Lord. What we did know, and we had to know in order to be saved, is that we're lost and in our sin and guilty, and that we're eternally separated from God, and that Christ is the Savior of the world, and that about 2,000 years ago, according to the Gospel, He, he died for the sins of the world, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we surrendered our life to the Lord. And we came into His family. And he, He's making, he made us a new creature, but He also says right here, He made us, past tense, uh, kings and priests unto God. And I think it's interesting and significant that John, the Apostle John who wrote this, at the time he was being persecuted for the Lord, banished on the island of Patmos, which was like a prison, uh, prison, where he was and he was worshiping the Lord in the spirit of the Lord's day when the Lord spoke to him and gave them this whole revelation of the second coming of Christ. But he says he's made us kings and priests. He's including himself. He's not setting himself up and say, well, I'm, I'm one of the 12 apostles, so I'll be seated right close to Jesus at the right hand and so forth. He says he just includes he's, Christ washed us from our sins in his own blood, us and He's made us kings and priests unto our God and to our Father. And so He includes Himself in every believer. It doesn't matter if we feel really kingly or feel really priestly. The Lord has made us that. And he, I would say that He's making us that. He made us that and He's making us that. Amen? He's, he's growing us in that position or in that place of authority as a king and as a priest. And He's working to refine us and to purify us that, that we would function in that role or that real ministry of a priest unto God. He's working in us to, to strengthen us, to grow us in that position that we might render service to the Lord. Because a, a priest is a minister, okay, or a servant. That, that we as the priest of God would render unto the Lord service to God that's holy and acceptable. That we as priests of God would offer sacrifices and offerings to the Lord in our priestly ministry unto the Lord that are pleasing to Him. That are worthy and befitting of such a great God and Savior as the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't simply serve God any way we choose. So I'm going to start moving on. Sorry, we're going to focus on the priesthood of the believer for the next few weeks on Sunday mornings. But one of the things that, that comes right out to the forefront is that we don't as priests just serve God any old way we choose. It's very clear from the Word of God. We don't just serve God any way we want. We don't just offer up to God anything we, we want and think this will be fine. Uh, and, it, and we don't serve God in any manner or fashion or form that we choose to. And also for a priest of God, the vessel, we're the priest, the vessel itself, the human being, the person that's redeemed and washed in the blood of, needs to be to live a life that's separated unto God, that honors God, that's not in the world, that's not in sin, and even as a believer, not compromising and so forth. We need to be a vessel of honor unto the Lord. And the sacrifices that we offer must be, must be offered unto the Lord in a manner befitting the Lord that are pleasing to Him. Amen? That are pleasing to the Lord. I just think about this in the Bible. We don't have time to turn there, but uh, Aaron, 
the first of the Levitical priests, okay? Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. Y'all know what happened to them? I think you do know. They both died before the Lord when they offered strange fire to the Lord. They offered incense, but it wasn't the incense God had prescribed. It wasn't the way. It wasn't the incense. It wasn't... They, they dabbled into something spiritual and of God, but they mixed in something that was not of God, of their own flesh and their own uh, feelings and thoughts. And they brought it into that and experimented with something, and the Lord killed them. Okay? Uh, we don't just offer... You say, well, that's Old Testament, but it, it really doesn't matter. We don't just offer to God in a manner that we choose or what we choose, the offering. Uh, Hophni and Phinehas were uh, Eli's sons and when Samuel was young and Samuel was going to be the one God was going to raise up to set things back in order as a priest in Israel and as a prophet because things were so out of order. And the sin that was going on with Eli's two sons and the, and the immorality and the sin and the godlessness and they claimed to represent God and they functioned in the position of these men of God and the Lord uh, they died as well and my, my point in that is that we don't just serve the Lord any way that we choose we serve God as his priest in a, in a manner that's befitting of him and we offer to God what he requires of his people to offer and so God is making us priest unto God, and I would say the only one that can do that is the Lord. He has made us that, and I say He's making us that. Okay, He's made us His children, yet He's growing us as His children. He's made us kings and priests, and He's growing us to understand and to walk in that as, as, as a minister unto God, as a king and a priest. And so the priesthood of the Old Covenant, I mentioned Aaron, it was, it was confined to and centered totally on the tribe of Levi, okay? And specifically, Aaron's sons were to be the priests and others in the tribe were to be ministers unto the Lord and to serve in the tabernacle and to, and, uh, and to serve in the temple later when the temple would be built. But there were, there were very specific uh, qualifications for the priest and there were very specific requirements. There were very specific detailed duties for the priest but their ministry was to be unto the Lord. They were to represent, they were that go-between, and that's really, in a sense, what a priest is. Jesus is our high priest, right? And he's our advocate. And the priest would represent the people before God and then turn around and represent God back to the people. That's what they, that's what they would do. God called them to do that and to serve him. I'm talking about the Levitical priesthood. And all of it, all of that Levitical priesthood, which we've talked about a great deal in other sermons and series in the past, it typified and foreshadowed Christ. Christ was pictured in the tabernacle. Christ was pictured beautifully in the, uh, the candlestick and the brazen altar and the altar of incense and, and everything about it, uh, the showbread, everything, the, the sacrifices, it all foreshadowed Christ's coming. It all spoke and it all was to point men to Christ. Okay? It all was revealing that there's a better priest coming. That's what Hebrews talks about the whole book. There's a better priesthood coming. There's a better priest coming. Everything's going to be better in this new priesthood. But that old covenant in the old Levitical law and system of sacrifices and priesthood, it served its purpose. It's passed away. And because Christ fulfilled everything and when he came but you and I as blood-bought saints of of Christ we are now by God's grace priests unto God but we're priests of a different order we're not Levites we're not even Israelites okay we're not part of that that is passed away because we're, we're, we're priests unto God of the same order that Jesus is so to speak he is a priest of a different order okay and as a priesthood of a different order. And it's all by the Lord's grace, but we, we are that. And we're priests unto God. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. I, don't, I think a lot of times believers, uh, we can get 
we can forget who we are in Christ, what we are in Christ. We can forget, even though we're saved, what we're called to do and to be in Christ. And, and people can get off. People can get uh, perverted and get off and get twisted in their beliefs and in their whole purpose of even being in Christ. But I want you to look at Hebrews 7. We're going to kind of skip around, but we'll begin in verse 11. If therefore perfection, that means completion, were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So if, if people could be saved and everybody, everybody could be perfected, so to speak, and reconciled to God and be who and what they're made to be uh, in God's eyes and forgiven of our sins, if all that could have been accomplished under the Levitical priesthood, there was no need for another one. It would just all take place under that system. But it didn't all take place under that system. That system pointed men to Christ, even if they lived and died before He came. They still could trust in a coming Savior. Amen? David did. Samuel did. Noah and Enoch did before the, the Levitical law was even given. Verse 13, For he whom these things are spoken, of whom these things are spoken, pertaineth to another, speaking of Christ, another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. The different priesthood in Christ. Okay, a couple more verses. Skip down to uh, verses, verse 16. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Pre-testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 23. And they truly were many priests, the, Le the Levites, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Plain and simply, those Levitical priests got old and died. They didn't continue forever. But this man, Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Last verse, 26. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now we started out in Revelation 1 that God has made us kings and priests unto him, himself. And that is the order that we're of. We're of this order of Christ. We're not Christ. I'm not going to become Christ. I am being conformed to His image. I am a partaker of His divine nature, as I say all the time. I'm all those things. I'm a new creature in Christ. I have the Spirit of the Lord in me. Uh, for as He is, so are we in this world. But we're not just. Uh, we're not going to become the next Savior of the world. That's Jesus. Okay. And He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am allowed to be a king and priest unto God. There's somebody over us. And again, I said believers can get, and we've seen it with different movements, the manifest sons of God or something like this, where basically, and even the, the prosperity teaching, the faith movement, do we believe in faith? Yes. Uh, the faith movement where, where people uh, just speak their own destiny, speak their own reality, speak their own creation into being. This is not of God. It's witchcraft. It's not of the Lord. It's not what's taught in the Scriptures. We have an authority over us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very much under authority. And the only power I have is what He has delegated to me as being His child. And it is great. And I don't think we understand the extents of our power for many times. But it's only as I'm under authority that I have authority, right? Only as I'm functioning by faith, humility before the King of kings and Lord of lords that I have any kind of authority and power. I have all the authority and power that He's told me in His Word and that He's given to me. And He wants me to walk in it, to know it. He wants His children to know it and walk in it and to function in it. Now, the, the saints of God were not priests and kings as a result of our own choosing. And what I mean by that is we, we didn't say one day, you know, I think I'd like to enter the priesthood. People do that. But I'm talking about the kings and priests that are spoken of in Revelation chapter 1 are, is what God is doing in the lives of those that He's redeemed. What He's done 
and what He continues to do in sanctification and working in our lives. We're not kings and priests by the appointment of men. We're not kings and priests by the appointment of religious institutions or clergies or, or, or by the, the wisdom of men or the choosing of men, but by the power of Him who's working in our lives that redeemed us. That, that's very important that we understand that. The world... The world is in the church and the church is in the world, unfortunately. And we see people that make themselves, you know, I think I'd like to be a music minister. And they just go off and, as an occupation, as a job. And I sometimes wonder, where is the calling of God? Where's the call of God? And then if, if there's not a calling, then, then there's not going to be the power that follows. There's not gonna, it's not going to be done as unto the Lord and so forth. You might function just fine and have a very successful career as a pastor, as a minister, as, uh, as a youth minister. But if it's not for the Lord's glory, it's vain. It's nothing. It accomplishes nothing. In fact, it does more harm than good. It's going to lead people astray in some manner. I'm simply saying, when John says he's made us kings and priests, he, he did it. The Lord did it and is doing it. It's not the appointment of men. Paul said an apostle of God, not by the will of men. Okay, not by the appointment of men, but of God. I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says by the will of God. He knew it. People could argue with him and say, no, you're not, Paul. But he was. Nobody could tell him he was and nobody could tell him he wasn't. He was that from the Lord and he functioned in that. Well, we are kings and priests unto God. Okay, because God's, the, the word of God says he has made us that in the new birth. It's a working of the Lord and it is for those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to read this from Romans 3. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Seeing it is, uh, one, it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. It's God that does that. It's God that whether Jew, Gentile, Levitical, priesthood, whatever, He makes us kings and priests unto God as being uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10.18, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And I think there's, and we have to watch it. Okay, I'm not pointing my fingers. But I think we have a lot in the church world today. And I, when I use the big canopy for church world, that means you could have believers and some in there that aren't really believers, but they're all kind of intermingled in the church world, not in the body of Christ, but in what people see as the church world. That we see men that commend themselves, or men that are commended by other men and put into, this is such a man of God. And they put him up in a position he may be or he may not be. Okay? The one that makes him a man of God is God. Alright? Or the woman of God and so forth. Um, we just have to be careful. I'll read it again. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Alright? Whom the Lord commendeth. And commend means to, to appoint, to assign to a certain position. That's what it means. Now I want to talk about this and we'll continue this as I said for a few weeks. But there is a priesthood of the believer. Priesthood means a priestly order or a fraternity. And it includes the duties to perform the duties of the priest. And it also carries the definition of sacredness. The priests were to be sacred. The priests were to be and are continued to be uh, separated unto the Lord. The priesthood is not uh, merely for someone that attends church. The priesthood is the priesthood of the believer. Okay? It's a priesthood of the believer, of those that are truly born again. Not merely the churchgoer, the one that decides to put the priest so-and-so before his name or whatever it may be or her name. It's the priesthood of the believer, those that know the Lord. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. This is one of our key passages. If you are taking notes on this series, I'll just let you know that what we opened with in Revelation 1, 4 through 6 is one of the key texts. And so is this one. 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and verses 9. 1 Peter 2, 5. 
ye also as lively are living stones who are built up a spiritual house. So he's talking about people. This is a, like an analogy, okay? But he's talking about human beings built into a house. He's talking about human beings as being stones for a building. But it's the church. It's people that are living stones, that are born again. Ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy, what does it say? Priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. Again, Peter doesn't just say me and some of the other big wigs, you know, James and John, and we're 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 a royal priesthood. He says, Ye are a chosen generation, church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should. When you hit when you read the word should, it means you should. It means there's some obligation following that, okay? That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but now are the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. How is it now? Well, it's in Christ. It's through faith in Jesus. It's being born again. The key, and especially in verse 5, we're going to look at this, this verse quite a bit. But it says our, we're, to, we're to be priest unto God. And this sounds very simple. But we think about a lot of times kings and priests. We think about people because, because of man's view, I would say, of people being served. The king's a big wig and everybody serves the king. But Jesus said, I'm, I'm your Lord. And at the Last Supper, what did he do? He, he put, tied his garment around him. He got down on his hands and knees and had a towel strapped to his waist right here. And he got a basin of water and he started washing his disciples' feet. Now look, y'all, that would have been the job for the least of the least if you walked in someone's house. The servant who you might not even ever look in the eyes, somebody would come out, you're talking to the homeowner or whoever that you're visiting, and somebody's washing your feet. Jesus tied that around him and began to wash his disciples' feet. And he says, you call me Lord and you're, you do well. So I am your Lord and your Master. But as you've seen me serve, this is how I want you to serve one another. So it's, it's, uh, we're priests unto God. We're not priests and kings in the sense that everyone comes and serves us. We serve the Lord. And in serving the Lord, we'll serve other people. In his name. Amen. We'll love other people in his name. But but it's very important that we realize that our service is unto God. If I'm a priest and I'm serving and I have duties and responsibilities as a priest, it's unto the Lord. Our sacrifices that we offer up, whether it's a sacrifice of praise, time, finances, your body being burned at the stake, whatever we offer to God, it's unto God. It's unto the Lord. Our praise is unto God. Our worship is unto God. And as such, in all of that service and ministry and offerings has to be holy and acceptable unto God. We must be holy and acceptable unto God. I know it's through the blood of Jesus, but also in walking in obedience to the Lord. But in our sacrifices and service, has to be as unto the Lord. And I'll say this again. We certainly, in our ministry unto God, we certainly do and will and should minister unto men. We'll serve men in His name. We will love men in His name. We will preach to men in His name. We'll help men in His name. But we're priests unto God. I'm a priest unto God. Every man stands and falls, it says in Romans, to his own master. You know what I mean? I stand and fall and obey one. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's, Paul says in Romans. And so we belong to him. Just like in, in Acts chapter 1, you don't have to turn there, but on the day of Pentecost, well, leading up to the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, uh, you'll receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You should be witnesses for me, is that what he says? He says, you'll be witnesses unto me. 
both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. A witness unto the Lord. We're priests unto the Lord. We're servant unto the Lord. Do we witness to people when we tell them about the God, Christ dying for their sins? Yes, but I'm a witness unto the Lord. It's something I am, not just something I do. He makes us witnesses and He also makes us kings and priests. All of our service, all of our sacrifices are to Him. And, and you know the passage, I'll just read it. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. So for the believer, whatsoever you do. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, whether you eat or drink. I mean, it's just the smallest little everyday things. Whatsoever you do, he says in Colossians here, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Let it make it very simple. Men are, men are blessed by your life. You go to work, you're the only believer there. You pray for everybody at work. Your speech is seasoned with salt and grace. You're a blessing to the people there or at school or in your family. People are blessed by your life, but you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord, and that's why they're blessed by your life. Because you're 100% devoted to Christ. That's what we're called to do. Uh, but as you were... Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. This first message today in this, in this brief series is going to be that it has to all be as unto the Lord. I am a servant of the Lord. My sacrifices are to be offered to the Lord. My offerings are to the Lord. It's all to God. He said, Paul says we were allowed and put by God and put in trust with the gospel. Well, that's something very public. You go to people and you share the gospel. You go to the ends of the earth. Different tribes and languages and tongues and you preach the gospel. Men are involved greatly in that uh, message and in that service. But he says... We don't speak as pleasing men, but God. For you serve the Lord Christ. Keep that in mind in all of your service to the Lord. I want to give some examples of this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys. I love their story. I love their testimony, their life. They testified before men. They testified before the king and whoever could hear them when they spoke. King, we're not careful to answer you in this. If, if the Lord lets us die in the fire, fire, then we'll die. But we know one thing, God's going to deliver us out of your hands. People heard it. People were angry, glad, happy, mad, you know, whatever. The king was furious. But you know what? They testified before men, but they were servants of the Most High God. And even the, the king, this wicked, idolatrous king who threw him in the fire, when he saw the fourth man in the fire, that's what he said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come up out of that fire. So what my point in this is that even in our ministry, we minister to people, and a lot of it is public. A lot of it's private. But it's all unto the Lord. It's all unto the Lord. Elijah spoke. He called down fire from heaven in front of the nation of Israel in front of the king, in front of 850 uh, prophets of Baal. It was all very public. Here's just this one man clothed in animal skins and, and by himself calling down fire from heaven representing Jehovah. But he did that very publicly, but he stood before God. Before he stepped onto the scene and called down fire from heaven, he was a servant of God. And after he called down fire from heaven, those 850 prophets were, were killed. He was a servant of God. Just remember that as you serve the Lord. Ladies, when, and those are going to be working with VBS, you're going to be blessing our church by having VBS. You're going to be blessing the little kids and their families and moms and dads by doing the VBS. I pray that children that don't know Christ will get saved. I pray families will then follow and come and be saved. We're praying that. But you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord. When you speak behind a closed door and you're speaking and uh, teaching little kids, make sure what you're saying is right. You're serving the Lord. Amen? We serve Christ in our service to the Lord. There's two, revelation, uh, two witnesses in the book of Revelation during the tribulation for three and a half years when the whole world is totally given over to Antichrist. They're going to be representing Christ on the earth. 
The world's going to watch them. Maybe on TV. I don't know how. The world's going to see them. But they serve the Lord. People hear them. People hear their words. And the Lord's going to raise them up after they're, they're martyred for Him. And the whole world's going to see it. But they're servants of God. Just remember that our service is unto the Lord. And when it's unto the Lord completely, then there's no strings attached to men. What a freedom. Elijah had no strings attached to men. He was not attached even to uh, the religious of his day. He was attached to the Lord. God says, there's a famine coming, go live here. He goes and lives there. I got a widow, widow woman that's going to, you know, first by the brook, then a widow woman that's going to sustain you. If we have any strings attached, we're not going to be free to serve the Lord fully. We can serve Him up to a measure and then we'll be constrained by men and by people. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You have to be freed up. You are a priest unto God. There is a priesthood of the believer. You're not functioning as a pastor today. But you are a priest because He's made us kings and priests unto our God. You and I have to make sure and we examine our hearts and we go before the Lord. God, and we fast and we pray and we're honest with ourselves. Am I attached? Is, is there anything else that's influencing me that will just slightly steer my service from you? I'll serve you 99% this last little bit. I need to compromise what I say from the pulpit because I'm going to... You know, there's some church members sitting in the back. They're big donors to the church. And if I say this, they're not going to give. They might leave. They might be offended. I have to watch it as a pastor. If either, either I'm his or I'm not. You understand what I'm saying? And we need to live for God. That's all of us. Our service is unto the Lord. Elijah was such a man like that. Our priest is unto God. If we lose sight of that fact and begin to see ourselves, maybe we don't see ourselves, but if we lose sight of that fact that I'm a priest unto God, and I begin to still function in a role of a priest, but maybe I begin to serve people, it happens, okay? People that start out well, at some point they can begin to serve a church. They can begin to serve a pastor. They can begin to serve a man, a ministry, a movement, an organization, a set of beliefs even. And then we're no longer serving, serving the Lord. We're no, no longer servants of the Most High God. We're no longer serving, serving as a priest unto God. We can lose our way. We can. We don't have to. All right? Keep your eyes on the Lord. And I need to keep my eyes on the Lord. Pray for one another. But we can lose our way and begin to serve a cause, a pastor, a local church, and so forth, and still think we're serving the Lord. And I can tell you that if that happens, we're no, no longer fit. Doesn't mean we can't repent and be fit. But at that moment, we're no longer fit to be uh, really called a servant of the Lord. We're not functioning in that role. I would say we're no better than a social worker at that point. Helping men out, giving them a bottle of water and a, and a habitat for humanity. I'm not knocking those things, but that's not what we're called to be. We're called to be priests unto God. There is a priesthood of the believer, and that priesthood is unto the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him and Him only. So if you're still looking at 1 Peter 2.5, I'm going to read it again. He also is living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Tell me about these spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. My priesthood has to be acceptable to God. He's even speaking to believers that are already saved. That's who he's talking about, these living stones. But our priesthood has to be acceptable to God. And so I ask the question, and it's given right here in the, in the Scriptures, what does it mean that our, that our sacrifices are acceptable to God. It means that they're well received. It means they're approved. It means that they're favorable. Okay? And so I, I, I jotted down three things, and I'm going to close with these three things. But three things that you ask the question how can my priesthood and how specifically can my spiritual sacrifices and offerings be acceptable to God? How, how can I make sure that? I'm really offering what God accepts and approves of and in the manner that He approves, approves of. And first of all, I believe it's answered right here at the end of that verse. It says that our, 
to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And I think that that simply means that our offerings that we offer to God, our service to God, our vacation Bible school coming up, going out to share the gospel in a neighborhood, uh, everything that we do, put money in the offering plate, it needs to be by Jesus Christ. It needs to be by faith. It needs to be uh, in His will. It needs to be in His name, in His authority. We don't just go out and do a lot of good works because they're good works. It all has to be at the direction of the Lord and back unto Him, if that makes sense. It's kind of like directed by Him and leading us in His will. And then, Lord, I'll offer this in Your name. I'll offer this according to Your will. I give this, I'm stepping into this position as a youth Sunday school teacher according to Your your will. I'm doing it as unto you. You understand what I mean? It's not just, hey, I think I, our church needs another Sunday school teacher. I think I'll start teaching. We do it as unto the Lord. And we, it's offered up through Christ and by Christ. And the reason is that the only thing that pleases the Father, really, if you boil it down to this, the only thing that pleases the Father is the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. It's not Moses or Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. It, Peter says, we're going to build three little memorials. One for you, Jesus. One for Moses and Elijah. A cloud overshadows them. They hear a voice from heaven. says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. It's Jesus. The cloud rises up. They saw no man but Jesus only. That's teaching us something, right? It's the Lord. The only thing that really pleases the Father is the Son. The only thing that's going to endure when all this passes away is going to be Christ will be, it says, all in all. That'll be His church body. That'll be the Old Testament saints. But it'll be Christ in all and over all. So when our spiritual sacrifice in our priesthood, we offer up the way that our sacrifices and service and ministry is pleasing to God and acceptable and approved to God is that it's offered up in His Son, by His Son, in His will. It's not just, as I said, tagging on at the end of everything we do in Jesus' name, although there's nothing wrong with that. It's more than that. It's really in His name. It's in His authority. It's in His power. And it's in His will. Secondly, how can these offerings be accepted, acceptable to God? And I don't have these in any particular order, but I believe we must offer to God what He requires and what He desires what he requires and what he desires. For time's sake, you know the story of Cain and Abel, uh, the first you know, two brothers that we read about in the Bible. And the process says it came to pass in the process of time that Cain offered up the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also the firstling, offered the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering the Lord had not respect. Two brothers contemporaries, both offering to the Lord. One offers to God what He requires. One that offers is not what God required or what He desired. Two offerings both to God. They weren't offering to some idol. They weren't offering to Baal or Ashtaroth. They were offering to God, Jehovah. And one offered what God required, which in this case was blood. It was a picture and there's no... no when Abel offered a lamb, he offered an offering, a burnt sacrifice. Abel offered the, the, the fruit of the ground. Now, there are grain offerings and so forth, but that's not what he required at this time. Okay? And so, we see somebody offering what they want as opposed to what God required. And it was not accepted. And because he didn't repent, he wasn't accepted. He wasn't accepted. He could have been. And the Lord even says, if you, don't, if you do well, won't you be accepted? He'd rather die in his sin and keep being stubborn and bullheaded and, do, and, and continue that way than repent and be forgiven. That was Cain. But you understand the point. One was accepted. And we read about it in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. And it was, he was accepted. And, it, and we're still speaking of it, says today. Still testifying of Abel's offering of blood unto the Lord to this day. I will say this, and again, I'm bringing this to a close, but we as the priests of God must 
offer what he requires. I think sometimes, I know it happens, and sometimes I may have been guilty of it, we offer to God what we think is best. We offer to God, uh, and it may simply be out of a good heart, so to speak, but it's not what he wanted. It's not what he required. We offer to God, it might just simply be out of our own carnality. You know that people can serve, quote, serve God in church, and it be strictly out of their own selves. The source, the power, was not the Holy Ghost. And it, it was just them. And that's all going to perish. It's going to be burnt up. It's vain. Only what's done in His name and unto Him is going to last. But we can do things in His name that it could just be out of our soulishness. It could be out of our sheer emotions. It could be uh, simply what's convenient. I know God requires this, but for me, really, that's a little too costly. This is more convenient. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, but it's more convenient to me to just come when I feel like it. Or I'll come to these certain services. This isn't really convenient for me. And we offer to God out of convenience. We may offer to God what's popular. The church world is really going this direction. And this is the music and this is the everything that they're doing and what the church, is get, church world is getting behind. And we just kind of go right along with it. Like Sunday school. It's talking about the sheep going off the cliff. Uh, find out what God requires. Find out what God requires. How do you know that? From the Bible? From spending time on your face between all, before Almighty God? There's not a shortcut for that, by the way. You can have people tell you but you need to hear from God. I can have people tell me, but I need to hear from God. Amen? Thirdly, how can our sacrifices be acceptable to God? This has to be more with it, the vessel, the person. I need to be a vessel of honor unto God. If I'm going to offer up things to God that are acceptable according to what He requires and in the name of Jesus and by His authority, I also need to be uh, a vessel of honor unto the Lord. For in a great house there are many vessels that says some to honor, some to dishonor. Some of wood and you know, some of gold and silver, but some of wood and earth. If a man will purge himself of these, and it talks about some list of sinful things, he will be a vessel un of honor unto God. Sanctified. Meet for the Master's use. Second Timothy. You can't beat that, right? But in a big house there's all kinds of vessels. But you want to be useful to God? You want to be a priest unto God and function in that? You want to offer sacrifices to God that He accepts, that are pleasing to Him, well-pleasing in His sight? Then be a vessel of honor unto the Lord. Let it start there. That you are pure and holy. Now we know it's by the blood of Jesus. And we know it's by the working of the Holy Spirit. But it's also by, as I yield to God, it's also as I walk in obedience to the Lord. And seek His face and, and follow Him. And so we need to be priests unto God. We need to be separated unto God and, and not just uh, doing our own thing in His name, so to speak. That's, we need to, the Bible talks about having our garments unspotted by the world. If that's a priestly garment and it represents the righteousness of Christ, we need to have a garment. And to me, that's practical behavior and daily living, right? A walk with Christ. We, we're not all perfect. But we can strive after the Lord. And when we sin, we can quickly repent and be forgiven. We don't just, oh, well, nobody's perfect. No, you take that to heart. You take that seriously. I'm a priest unto God. He saved me. I just sinned. Take it seriously. Go ask God's forgiveness. You're a priest unto God. Live like it, right? Having our garments unspotted by the, by the world that's around us. I'm going to close with a couple of scriptures. Indeed, you can come up here. Keep in thought this whole for this message this morning that is all unto the Lord. I wanted to read this just while, while she's coming. I jotted down a bunch of scriptures in a row, you know, and I just want to read them as we close. This is what David said in Psalm 4 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 27 6. And now shall my head be lifted up, lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Psalm 116. 
O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I remember David's a king. Okay? But what does he say? O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifices of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Everything's directed to the Lord. Our sacrifice. We don't just come sing songs. We're worshiping the Lord. We sing praises unto God. Well, that's not my favorite song. Those two didn't really do it for me. I kind of like the third one. Uh, it's none of that. None of that. It's worshiping God. We're singing about, like this morning, the blood of Jesus that, that washes us clean. We're talking about, we're singing these songs. Sing them unto God. Do it as unto the Lord. And that's, that's sacrifices that are well-pleasing and acceptable in His sight. Amen? That He is pleased with that. And, and I'll close with this. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. He's made us kings and priests unto our God in the new birth, in the washing of His blood. But He's made us He's made us this and He's wanting us to be a holy people that when people see us, they see a very good representation of Christ. And that's only going to be as privately when we're living for God. I talked about Elijah. Elijah, he was that man of God before he ever called down fire from heaven. He was used by God to turn a nation and call down fire from heaven because he was a man of God. Because he was a servant of the Most High God. Same for the three Hebrew boys. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what we've received. A kingdom to come. But let's, by the grace of God, and that's how it is, let us serve Him with, with reverent fear in a holy manner that's befitting of such a great God and King. Y'all stand with me this morning. The altar's open. I pray that you would come. Just, just focus on, on that thought to me about being a vessel of honor unto God that God can use. Examine your own life. Say, I'm serving. I'm real active in the church. But am I doing it as unto the Lord? Or am I just doing it because it's an appropriate thing to do as a Christian and, and there's a need in the church? Those aren't horrible motives, but they're not the best motive. Do it as unto the Lord. Be led by the Lord. Be called by the Lord. Be empowered by the Lord. You have no strings attached to men. If people frown on you or people smile on you and give you a bunch of attaboys or a bunch of money, do what you do is unto the Lord only. And Father, we come before you this morning. God, I want to thank you. It says in Revelation chapter 1, Lord, you, you said in your word that unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God, to him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Lord, thank you for making us kings and priests, Lord. But that's not just a, a tag. It's just not a name. Like we're a saint of God or a believer. We're a priest. There's a priesthood of the believer. And God, I pray you would help, enough, help us. Help all of us in this church body and your, your Christians around the world, Lord, to function in a way that the sacrifices, the spiritual sacrifices we offer are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Make us, make us vessels of honor, Lord, separated unto you, meet for the Master's use, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you forgive us when we sin. Thank you that if we've made a mess of things up to now, you can write it and fix it and make our lives what, they, what they're supposed to be, God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.